Hey listeners, the episode that you're about to hear contains some frank discussion of death and suicide. Students dealing with mental health concerns can walk into USC student health centers or contact the 24-7 phone line for professional assistance at 213-740-9355. Eight students have died since the start of the semester, three of which have been confirmed by the USC administration as suicides. Joining me now is Associate Managing Editor Natalie Bettendorf. She spoke with students and the USC administration about the eight students for Monday's cover story of the Daily Trojan. Thanks for joining me, Natalie. Thanks for having me, Sean. So before we get to any of the particulars of the case, I want to point us first towards a statement made by the Daily Trojan's editorial board earlier this year, where it spoke of changing how Daily Trojan reports on student deaths, including limited coverage of the deaths. So could you talk to me about why we've come to a breaking point now and, and why there's a need for this coverage? Definitely. So... When we made that change to our policy, we really retracted this policy on reporting on individual suicides on USC's campus. Traditionally, Daily Trojan has always put out a brief or an article when a student has uh, taken their life on campus, and that usually is just details and information we're pulling from DPS reports. But when there was a suicide on the consecutive day in the first week of September, we realized that we were actually contributing to suicide contagion or had the potential to be somewhat responsible to students feeling heightened anxiety on campus and to students feeling like there was this burden or really bringing up these issues of vulnerability and and other mental health issues that were coming to the surface. And we didn't want to play a part of that. And, you know, with our wellness initiative that we launched this semester, we knew that we had to take things like suicide and mental health way more seriously. And so that was part of our initiative was not reporting any longer on individual suicides. However, after we have received email after email this semester of student deaths and so many questions have come to the surface and there's this sense of desperation from the student body of what can we do and why aren't we getting answers and why are we feeling so lost and helpless, I think that what's really happened is that we as a newsroom had to come together and decide this is a story that we have to do. And it doesn't come to this point of glorifying a death or a suicide anymore. It's really a story that is summarizing what's going on on this campus. If we at the Daily Trojan are keeping track of history at the university, then we need to be documenting and tracking what's happening and looking into it and stepping up as student leaders when you know, students are feeling like the administration is failing them. And I think that that's where our story really came from. So it was this sense of urgency that was from the student body as a whole, from us as student journalists, but really from us as students of feeling that we need to really provide some of the answers as much as we can for students who are still feeling lost. And then eight students in three months, how abnormal is that? Yeah, so this was probably the biggest question that I was trying to answer in the piece. I spoke with Victor Schwartz, um, who works for the Jed Foundation, and he is a psychiatrist there who really gathers data and is very articulate in just explaining what are the trends among um, mental health and suicide on college campuses across the country. And what he was telling me is really with a population the size of USC, undergraduate and graduate, USC should, ha- should be having about three suicides uh, per year. Obviously, that's just according to numbers and the statistics that lay it all out. But obviously, in real life, that's not 
how it happens. And so what we see is that um, there may be a few years of quiet. Maybe there's no deaths. Maybe there's very few. But there might be a time when if there's a suicide early in the year, these suicides actually uh, trigger other deaths possibly and really other mental health struggles and issues among students. That population, as he was saying, in a self-contained community like a university is really heightened um, after just that one suicide. There's a higher risk of that happening. So his explanation of why there might be more suicides um, together is actually called a suicide cluster. And it's something that stems from the foundation of suicide contagion, which we talk about in the piece of this idea and concept of um, talking about and uh, publishing and just this idea that suicides can really stem from one another and come in a group. And it's something that, you know, the university has been very adamant about of why they are not giving us as much information and being transparent that they don't want to contribute to suicide contagion and they actually want to protect students because they know that students that may be suffering from mental health issues or are particularly vulnerable they might be more triggered if they hear something of a, of a death or a suicide on campus and so that's really where that lack of transparency is coming from according to the university now we do our investigations stemming from you know a lot of the concerns from students which is yes they understand the university is trying to protect them but mm -hmm. you know where's the line between you know protecting students from suicide contagion but then also being communicative and just trying to give more information mm -hmm. so i think that that's really where the um, tension is in this piece yeah, I understand that a lot of students are upset about the lack of communication about these deaths. I know that they sent out immediate emails uh, for the first couple, but then it, it kind of seemed like it trailed off and only certain communities were let, about, uh, were let know about certain things. And then all of a sudden, it's eight deaths in three months. So what, what are these students saying and, and what do they want to see from the university? Yeah, so I think a lot of my um, sourcing really came from social media. I know that a couple weeks ago um, is really when I started to see a lot more talk on Twitter um, and Facebook of students kind of saying, what is going on? And I think that's when I started having a lot of dialogue with different students about um, their frustrations and a lot of blame being put on the university and its lack of mental health resources. Students sharing stories about having... Um, you know, mental illnesses and seeking help from the health center and being denied or turned away or having trouble getting access to those resources. So I think it brought up a lot of these silenced people who were saying, you know, I've had a really hard time at this university and this is beyond a wake-up call for addressing the needs of students and their concerns around not even just mental health, but physical health as a whole, because I think that the student body is really at this breaking point where, you know, we don't know how to handle this. And, you know, how are we supposed to go about our lives as students? College is stressful enough, as Dean of Religious Life Varun Sony is saying, you know, being a college student is already traumatic, being away from home, having independence for a lot of us the first time. And navigating the transition into adulthood is a very very difficult point. And if you have, you know, a lack of support or you don't feel emotionally stable, you know, we all need that. We all need that face-to-face -face connection or that um, someone that we can go to. 
and the students are feeling lost and helpless already, I think it's exacerbated by this normal normalization of isolation and depression and feeling like there's no connection or, you know, overwhelming feelings and stress really bubble to the surface when all that comes to comes to a point. So if some students are feeling lost and helpless, then then what is USC doing to, to try and both help those students and limit the harm that might come from the news of these of these string of deaths that have occurred this semester. Yeah, so a few of the things that administrators have told me is one of the things that uh, the vice president of student affairs, Winston Crisp, told me is that they have actually doubled uh, the number of counselors. So it's actually up to the nationally recommended number. Uh, they currently have 12 counselors that they have are instituting at Ingaman. That being said, the administrators I talked to have acknowledged that it really does not feel like enough. There is a very high demand with a very low supply of uh, mental health resources on this campus. It's something that the university, I think, is has been very honest about, and that surprised me. But I think that it's really important to acknowledge that while this is all going on, a lot of the stuff in the article that I was researching and talking about is really focused on why the administration is doing what they're doing. I think that's one of the unanswered questions that is in this piece and something that I really hope that students start talking about, which is, you know, what are they actively doing now in response? And that's what I'm hoping to see maybe as a response to this article is students and faculty taking initiative because I think a lot of the piece was administrators saying, well, this is why we haven't been sending university-wide emails to everyone or, you know, this is what we're currently doing. This is how our counseling works. But I really am still curious as, you know, one of the writers of this piece to just say what is happening as a result because clearly students and parents and the administration know that there's a problem. This is too many deaths to be having in just three months. Yeah, right. And like ostensibly from everything that you just said, USC is doing a lot to support students on campus, but these kinds of problems still persist and students still feel like USC isn't doing enough. So could you talk about why why there's that wide discrepancy? I think that there's a big gap right now. Students on this campus are very distrusting of the university and rightfully so we've had a lot of events in the past few years and decades and decades of allegations and really all these horrible scandals coming to the surface within our health center Uh, the gynecology department the men's health department with dennis kelly last semester our college admission scandal there have been all these cover-ups and things coming to the surface of things that the university has not been transparent in I think that students are frustrated because with a new administration, a new president, there's hope, but this has already been such a devastating, uh, taken a devastating toll on our community that I think that that trust and that hope in the new administration has really plummeted. And so I think that that's where this gap between administration and students is really stemming from, is this, you know, something spiked. I think there was, you know, this sense on campus that maybe things could get better with this new administration, but I think that the result has been a real disappointment from the campus. Uh, I was particularly struck by a, a quote in your piece from one student, I think his name was Blake Wagner, and he argued that some students have had or bad experiences with the counseling services at USC, mm-hmm. um, which then makes many students less likely to use them. And I think that both of us as USC students kind of 
have heard casually anecdotes about like going to the counseling center um, and, and whether or not those are true, it's obviously a really real concern among USC students. So I'm wondering how you solve that problem or, or ha- what ideas students have for solving that issue. Yeah, definitely. So Blake Wagner is a student who I spoke to. He is a senior and I DM'd him on Twitter when I saw his tweet, which said, my favorite Ingeman memory is that time I had a manic episode and they told me to come back when I was feeling better. And he tagged the USC uh, student health Twitter account. And I DM'd him and said, you know, hey, I would really like to speak to you about your experience. And this was in the midst of all of the tweets of frustration coming out, particularly from SCA students from the death on Friday. And so I think that that was really important to reach out to Blake and have him talk about what is his personal experience and how does that translate to the rest of the community. And he was talking about how, you know, he has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And for him as a freshman to not even know that he was had bipolar disorder and really have this um, struggle of like a low point in his mental illness and to be turned away from the very institution that should be taking care of him right. was so disorienting because he thought he was being taken care of, right? Mm-hmm. So he really spoke so well to me about saying, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to be alone, to not feel supported by the institution and to feel lost. So I think that that was such an important voice. And I think you're right that Blake really articulated what it was like from that student perspective of um, helplessness. And then lastly, just trying to end on a little bit more of a positive note, could you talk to me about what students are doing to to try and address these problems that they see, what ideas they might have, um, things that they're doing to, to support fellow students? Yeah, absolutely. I think what was really great to hear when we were writing this story yesterday was um, just how important it is to students to have a conversation of bridging the gap, like you were saying, between the university and between students, to have some kind of open forum. A couple of SCA students I know are trying to um, really have conversations with Dean Elizabeth Daly from SCA of, you know, how can we get better support in our classes? Why have several of the deaths been in SCA? And is this a a systematic problem within our school. And so I think that students are feeling angry and frustrated and incredibly hurt. They're grieving. But I think that it's really amazing to watch the SCA students respond because they are so creative and so passionate about using art for good and making change. So I think that was really inspiring to see them be so vocal on Twitter, but then also saying, look, we know we're just posting on social media right now, but what can we do to actually do something? That was the number one thing that we were seeing online was how can we organize? How can we make sure that we are getting together and uniting as students who are um, really, as as a part of this grieving process, using this for good and making sure that this doesn't happen again? I think the worst thing on this campus is if we get another email saying a student has died. That's the number one thing that we all want to prevent. As students, as parents, as the administration, none of us want another student to die. And we have to be all hands on deck to make sure that that doesn't occur. Yeah, hopefully we can come together and and things like what the SCA student is doing can make an impact. All right, that was Natalie Bettendorf. Her article, uh, A Community in Mourning, can be found on dailytrojan.com and appeared on the cover of the Monday issue of Daily Trojan. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Sean. 
Thanks for listening to General Education. Subscribe for more USC news every Wednesday, and be sure to check out our other podcasts, Talk and Troy covering sports, and Rhythm and News about USC arts and entertainment. General Education is produced by me, Sean Flannelly, along with Natalie Bettendorf, Eileen Toe, Kate Sakara, and Tomas Mier.